This is VC Projects Podcast, and today I'm here with Stanley Dorfman and Shane Gafog. Stanley Dorfman has had many lives. He was the original producer and director of the Top of the Pops in the 60s at the BBC, and worked with such wonderful people as the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, James Taylor, The Who, Led Zeppelin, Joni Mitchell, Frank Sinatra, Elton John, and Linda Ronstadt, plus more. Most importantly, he started his life as a painter in the late 40s at the École des Beaux-Arts in Paris, where as a young person he was fortunate enough to become friends with James Baldwin, Giacometti, Simone de Bois, and Jean-Paul Sartre. Now he lives and works in Los Angeles and has returned to painting 20 years ago. My other guest is Shane Gafog, who is an American artist that looks through the lens of humanity at civilizations both past and present, and views time as threads that connect all people. His work is a visual language that is informed by the spiritualism of abstraction and the realism of the old masters. These two ideas are usually seen as separate, but Gafog fuses them seamlessly into works that transcend and become testaments to thoughts that inform us of who we are in the 21st century. We're here today at Shane's Ranch in Strathmore, California, and we are going to talk about um, The Art of Art, which is a TV show that Shane created, and it is with Heronavision, and one of the episodes is with Stanley Dorfman. Hi, Stanley. Hey, Shane. How are you? Good, good, good. good. Hot. I'm hot. It's hot. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's hot out here. It's blistering. Um, anyway, so we filmed you, I filmed you, we filmed you a while back. Yes. And we came to your studio in your home. Yes. And I remember as we were driving up uh, Beachwood Canyon to your house, I thought, what am I going to say to Stanley? I've known him for a long time. What am I going to say? I think I said something like, you should be knighted. It should be Sir Stanley Dorfman. Yeah, that'd be good. I yeah. think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's necessary. Sure. But we talked about your life, um, starting off in South Africa and studying architecture and painting. And uh, then you produced a music concert. Well, no, I, 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 in South Africa, yes. Uh, I, a thing called Township Jazz with an African mu- African jazz musicians in in South Africa, and we had uh, a mixed audience, black and white, which you absolutely know now in South Africa at that point. <clears throat> and the police came, and it was all very unpleasant. Uh, but the show was a great success. We moved to the city hall, and then the police started to raid my house at, at night, banging on the door, saying, uh, looking for literature and then they go away and then I got a call from the police say please would I go into the local po- uh, police station and bring my passport for perusal they said and so I called my lawyer communist lawyer friend who said you ca- you have to leave tonight because they have a thing called a 90-day ban where they can arrest you for 90 days and when you come out it after nine they can arrest you again. And there, there have been people, activists, who have been black activists, who had been arrested and had been spent years in jail like that. So that night, they put me on a train. I left my wife and, at that time, two kids, 
and uh, went train down to Durban, 400 miles, and that took me off that train, put me on another train to Cape Town, a thousand miles on the other side of the South Africa, and they put me on the back of a boat, and I was free. I was back in England. Wow. What? Uh, and then I, I can't put, imagine being put through that. And what were your thoughts at that? Well, time? I was terrified, of yeah. course, and and um, and terrified for my family. Although my wife was British, so they, so they could do nothing to her. Uh, but then I had to make enough money for that to bring them out. So I got a job as a designer at the BBC, uh, set designer. Mm. Then after six years, and then I brought we brought them out. After six years, I became a producer director. Then I was that for another twenty years at the BBC wow. before you, I came here. At what point were you uh, working with? Um is Barbara Hepworth? Barbara Hepworth, I, I was in, when we went to, uh, 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 we left France and we went to live in, in St. Ives, uh, and that must have been in 1953, something like that. And so I went to work with Barbara Hepworth as a second assistant. I was the one that had to do the heavy lifting. Heavy lifting. And uh, but that was great years. Like it, it was just a joy to do that, and joined the Penrith Society of Arts. Ben Nicholson, uh, and Barbara, and uh, all the great, somehow all the great, contemporary painters and, and sculptors, mm -hmm. in England seem to have just come to St Ives. I mean, you go into a pub, and they were just there. They were, and it was just a joy. Um, and uh, so, was there a lot of camaraderie with everyone? I mean, were they all uh, friendly, or were they competitive? No, there were two camps. Okay, it was because Barbara and and Nicholson were married, and then they got divorced, and so there was the Barbara Hepworth camp and the Ben Nicholson <laughs> camp. That'll do it. <laughs> I was, I was, of course, with the Barbara Hep. Although I love Ben Nicholson painting, and he influenced me enormously. Yeah. Uh, I had to be with Barbara, and so when di when dealers came down from London, they would either go to Barbara or they go to Ben, and they would they would take them to their artists mm -hmm. uh, exclusively. That was that. So, well, that's really interesting. So the dealers, so by having a a group of artists that were all concentrated in one area that yeah. made it very easy then for the dealers to yeah. do a studio visit and take that drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, I've always said there's strength in numbers, which is what my thoughts were when I helped to found Pharmaca, which you were a part of. Of course. As well. And, yes. you know, it's like none of us can do this by ourselves. It takes, takes a group. Absolutely. And that was the same thing happening then. Totally. Yeah. And... You said Ben Nicholson influenced your work. The oh. lines that early your early paintings were very geometric, abstract, hard edge. Well, no, not yet. Uh, when I came to St. Ives, I was painting realistically portraits, scenes, impressionism, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I discovered through Ben Nicholson, I discovered Mondrian. Okay. And between Mondrian and Ben Nicholson, I became 
and I, I did a painting out of the. We we had, we had a house right on the port, and the view was across the bay, and so I did a painting of across the bay, but I've in abstract yes, form. I've seen that painting; it's beautiful. And that was my first abstract painting, basically. No, I stood that upright, yes, perpendicular, and then I started to do paintings like that, like that but up and down. <laughs> Did you have a um, one of those moments when you first made that painting? You stood back and you looked at it, and you thought, "This is something." Oh, totally! I was so excited because I, I don't know why I did it. I mean, yeah. I, I was painting what I thought was a sort of realistic picture of across the bay, but it turned out to, to be very abstract in layers. So then you ended up working at BBC Art Director. Did they ask you to become a director? No, what something? happened is BBC One, at that time it was just BBC One. Uh-huh. That was it? Only one? Just one station, black and white television. Wow. And then there was a, 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 the uh, uh, ATV, which is the commercial state network. And then BBC went into colour and started BBC Two, which is in colour. Yeah. And so they had to get double up on their producer-directors. And at that time you produced and directed everything at the BBC. There was no such thing. The job wasn't divided. And so you had to be, had to be more producer-directors to go to BBC Two. And uh, I applied. And I had a six-week course. Six weeks, that's it. Six-week course, and then and then we then I had to do a production. And they happened to be in town at that time, visiting from South Africa, a a um, musical show. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I knew the the guy who put it together, and he agreed to bring the show on for me to, to put put on TV. So this was an impress- very impressive and I got the job. Mm. And I was immediately put on a new show that they were just going to start called Top of the Pops, which was a rock and roll weekly, rock, 52 weeks weekly rock and roll show, which was, uh, which was geared to the charts, the, the top 30 p- records going up or going down. And uh, there was myself and Johnny Stewart, and we alternated because you, could, you couldn't possibly do it every week, so mm-hmm. you had to do alternate weeks. And so we went 52 weeks of the year like that. And at that time, it's 1964, uh, was the, this huge explosion yeah. of British rock and roll. And also American, because the Americans used to come over. Because in uh, in America at that time, radio sold records, uh-huh. uh, but in England, television sold records. So they would come over to try and get on our shows, just to sell records. So we would have Stevie Wonder and the Supremes and wow. everybody, the Beach Boys and whoever would come and do our show. Together with the all the great British British acts. Now I remember one time you told me years ago that um, when the Beatles would come on, they would warm up by playing 
the other top tunes that were at the uh, yeah well, the other thing is that, that um the 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 show if you could only be on the show if you were either going up in the mm-hmm. chart or static in the chart mm-hmm. so if the beatles were number 1 and the next week they dropped to number two, I'd have to call up Brian Epstein and say, sorry, mate, but the boys, <laughs> the boys are out of the out of the show. Yeah. He said, okay. I mean, that's acceptable. Yeah. And uh, the Beatles, of that, they wouldn't appear on the show. I'd have to do go into a studio and, and film them separately. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so they didn't, they didn't perform in front of the live audience? Well, because they, they would have been mobbed. Yeah. They, they never would have got on. I That's mean, I went to see them to, to, to find out what they were going to do on our show. And I went to a concert they were giving at the Hammersmith Palace. Mm-hmm. I did not hear one note of music from mm-hmm. beginning to end. It was just screaming. And I, I was sitting at the, at, the, at the sound desk. All I heard was screaming. I had no idea what they were playing. Uh, which is one of the reasons they so that's, quit. that's why they couldn't possibly come over there. Because right. we had a, dan- a kids dancing audience. I see. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. And <clears throat> Jimi Hendrix was on your show. Jimi Hendrix was on Top of the Pops uh, with with his uh, first... The experience. Ex- yeah, the, the, the first record he made. And I subsequently worked them several times. Uh, the last time was with I was doing a series with Lulu, if you remember who Lulu oh, sure, was. Oh, sure, And uh, it was Lulu. There's a thing called the Eurovision Song Contest. And Lulu had to sing the, the the song for the contest at the end of the show, and it was a live show. And so everything had to be finished by the time we got to Lulu at the end. And Jimmy Hendrix was the headliner. Mm. He came on before. And he went, uh, he started to play something purple. Yeah, purple haze or something. Haze. And he said, oh, I don't want to play this. I want to play something from Cream. Yeah. And he went into a great Cream number, da, which da, was da, great. We thought, oh, bum, great, yeah. great. But then he went on and on and on and on. And he wouldn't stop. And he wouldn't stop. Eventually, people were going down on their knees begging him to stop because <laughs> this was all he, sto- he stopped and then Lulu got to sing a song but Jimi Hendrix was banned from the BBC really oh my gosh yeah wow yeah 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 was he a nice guy he was a lovely sweet sweet man yes. yeah do you have any um I mean to meet all these people throughout your life it obviously has had a, an impact on you, it left an imprint on you, and, and I think it comes through with your painting, but is there any one individual that stands out in your mind? Um, not one, several big ones. Um, I suppose, uh, strangely enough, not a very one of the biggest acts in the world, but, but to me, one of the greatest, Harry Nilsson. Yeah. When I came, he did, I came over here to get him to do, because after, to get to the top of the pops and after the top of the pops, I was doing a show called In Concert, which is about singer-songwriters. So I came over to America to get the acts to come back and do the show. 
and um, Harry said he'd only come and do the show, but he wouldn't perform in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. It was an or obvious an audience show in concert. So we agreed that he would do we'd do an empty studio and we'd cut in shots of the audience from other shows. Mm -hmm. And we became friends. Yeah. And um, over the years, I did more shows with him. And when over here, he was a he introduced me to everybody. And uh, he was most influential, I think, mm. of anybody. That was a great documentary about him. Uh, Fantastic. Who is Harry Nelson. Yes, great. Who's Harry? I love that part when he got John Lennon to produce him. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and and John Lennon kept pushing him to sing harder and harder yes, and harder. Yes, higher and higher. And higher and higher until finally he started as he was singing, this it, one note, blood came out. Oh my God. He like ripped his vocal cords, <laughs> pushed, him, pushed him to the limit. Yeah. 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 Incidentally, uh, at the moment, there's a wonderful documentary on Hulu called McCartney 321. I saw it. It's fantastic. Is, where, he, where he does just that, saying yeah. how they used to push the musicians yes. to do more, play harder, and the, the, the trumpeter. You know, Yes. Went higher, 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 higher. No, you have to go higher. Yes, you have to go even yes, higher. And yes. he did it. Yeah. Well, it was amazing. You know, you watch these, and I watched another documentary last night about David Geffen. Yes. It just came out on Netflix. And um, and they were talking about, they were interviewing this guy, Elliot Roberts, I think. Elliot Roberts, yes. Yep. And I, I thought, you know, I know Stanley knows him because he was Neil Young's uh, manager. He also he was originally David Geffen's assistant, right? At, in the, at the agency. Okay. And then David Geffen left the agency and took all the artists with him. Uh huh. And started a management company. Uh huh. And I went when I went over. I met. I, I went to see him, and he he put me up for a few days in his house while he introduced me to all these. David Geffen did. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Laura Nero. Yeah. I mean. Everybody, yeah, he represented, yeah, and Eric Roberts did all the deals for him, right, right. And then Eric Roberts independently became a manager. It was a own. fascinating uh, thing, and I, I was thinking about you last night while I was watching it, and I stupidly stayed up to like one o'clock in the morning watching it, which I'd never do, um, but I couldn't turn it off. It was so fascinating, and and they interviewed Neil Young quite a bit. Yes, and. It, what he had to say about David Geffen was like, boy, you could see there's a spark of anger that's still well, lingering. David Geffen was David Geffen. Yeah. But could leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now I remember, <clears throat> so you... But he, but, he, but he brought all those great oh, artists the out Eagles and, and made them all. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, it, was, it was fascinating. You didn't, I didn't realize how many fingerprints he left. Oh, tremendous. Uh, the entertainment industry Tremendous. in many ways but um, and I remember when you how let's talk about James Taylor real quick and you got a tape yeah I was uh, a designer at the BBC brought came to see they got this weird uh, uh, American folk singer who's just come out of rehab staying with him and we, we, we recorded him on this wire tape mm-hmm you should have a listen to him. And it was baby, James singing Sweet Baby James. Yeah. And he'd ne we, so we said, please, can he come and do a show? He'd never done anything. He'd never performed, never been on television. Never right. Performed. He came into the studio and he was totally 
control of himself. He chatted to the audience, he tuned his things, he played all these fantastic songs. He was amazing, amazing. And uh, I called, before the show, I called George Harrison at Apple Music, Apple, mm -hmm. running Apple Music at the time. And he brought Peter Asher, who was the A&R guy, right. to the show. And they signed James right away to Apple. Right. He was the first person they signed. That's the, it. To the label, Absol yeah. Absolutely. Now, was it, that wasn't for Top of the Pops, because he wasn't... No, that was in concert. Okay. The, the, All right. Singer-songwriter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fascinating. I mean, so imagine a world without James Taylor. Well, it's hard. You can't? Yeah. No. So we have you to thank for that. Thank well, you. Not, not me. The, the, <laughs> the designer that brought him to me. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's cut to... Your painting, yes, sir. And I've always found your paintings to be very much about music. I guess you guess. Well, I always play music while I'm painting. Uh -huh. I know, but I I think that you've had such a, a musical it? background. Yes, and being you know, and I've watched a number of your concerts that you filmed. Yes. Over the years, and and, um, and even when you went and did the um, um, uh, concert in Paris that you filmed with Robert Plant, Jimmy. Page. Oh, 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 the concert for uh, uh, the concert for uh, no, not concert for arms. Uh, uh, free yeah. something. Was it? Was it for UNESCO? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Radiohead when, and um, Radiohead, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page. Yeah, I think Dalai Lama. Yeah, the Dalai Lama. He didn't sing, but he was in the show. Yeah. And, and I remember when you called me and told me you were going to go film, and Radiohead was kind of new on the scene, and you asked me if Absolutely. I'd heard of them, and Joking. I said, oh my God, they're genius. Fabulous band. Yeah. And so you came back, and, you, and then you were editing, and I joined you for a day in the studio to watch you edit. And it was so fascinating to see how you were picking... The camera shots to tell a story mm. about the music and that created a backdrop for the audience to then have a better insight and appreciation of what these musicians were doing well, was, I try, well I tried to follow the lyrics um, so that uh, you didn't miss lyrics because you were in a long shot or a moving shot mm -hmm. or something. You know, try to learn the songs where I knew what they were going to sing and I could be in a close-up when I needed to be in a close-up, stuff like that. Yeah, which is great because hmm. it, it, you know, that makes us feel like we're there. It makes me feel yeah. like I don't have to physically be there. Well, the story leading up to that actually is I did a show with Frank Sinatra, uh -huh. which I was quite scared about. It was at the Festival Hall in London. He was an aide of uh, Princess Margaret's charity, and and Grace Kelly was going to pr present him. And I used to get calls three o'clock in the morning for weeks before from somebody called Jilly saying, Frank wants to this, and Frank wants that, and Frank doesn't want any close-ups on the right because he's got a scar on his face. And so eventually <laughs> when I did the show, um, uh, at rehearsal, we broke for tea, as you do in England, you broke for tea, always. And I said to him, come out on the, on the 
stage and I'll show you where I'm going to put the cameras. He said, I don't care where you're going to put the cameras. I said, yeah, but Jilly said, you know, the, the scar, you know. He said, fuck that. He said, all I want is one camera I can look into when I want the two or three people watching me at home to really understand what I'm singing about. You just give me that camera and you can do whatever you like else. And I forevermore, I did just that. Everybody, there's always one camera that somebody they could always refer to when they wanted to look and mm -hmm. put, you know, mm -hmm. say what they wanted to say. He was a real pro. Oh, he was brilliant, amazing. Yeah. And and I'll talk about one more musician who I, I think was, was a real genius was David Bowie. Who? David Bowie. David was wonderful. Yeah. David Bowie was wonderful. I loved him. Um, I, well, we, we had him on top of the pops um, several times in, in all the various states that he was mm -hmm. in. You know, he was always changing his sure. everything. But then when I came to America, I was asked to do a, 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 some, vi some video with him in Paris for uh, MTV, I think, is and so he and I went to Paris for a week, and um, I spent a week in Paris with David Bowie. <laughs> I mean, he was just charming and bright and lovely and funny, and, and, we, and we produced these weird, strange, we got an empty studio, all, all, everything was white, and we screwed around with shots and things and came up with a few nice, nice pieces. And he was, uh, he was lovely. And then I went, then I did a, uh, a show with him in somewhere in Texas, uh, Fort Worth, Texas, with him in a band. Mm -hmm. And uh, after the show, um, the the sound of the crew uh, invited me to go around to the pub and and uh, play billiards, yeah. pool. And David came to me and said, you know, what are you doing after the show? Let's have something to eat. I said, oh, I promised the crew I could go and, have to go and play pool with them. He said, do you think I could come? <laughs> and, yeah, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> come here. He was just a lovely man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was heartbroken when the news Terrible. came that he passed. Terrible. <clears throat> Do you have a favorite painter? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, 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 God. Uh, I can't think of a favorite painter. I can think, remember... One of your top three. Painters, favorite painters. Mondrian, Van Gogh, Cezanne, Picasso... Um, hi, Turner. Mm -hmm. We went to a Turner show. We went to a Turner show. Yes, we did. Wonderful. Yeah, that was at the game. Wonderful Turner. That was a really beautiful oh, show. Fantastic. And the wispiness of these, oh. of the, the oh, glazes. And, and it was almost, some of the big paintings were abstract. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it makes you then wonder what realism is. And exactly. it's all a state of mind, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'm trying to keep quiet because this conversation was, is with you and Shane, but I got a question for you while you're on the topic of David Bowie. David Bowie as an artist, as a painter, over 
a singer or a guitarist well, or he, he, he what, was, what, what was what's your take on him as, as a painter I, I think he, I think I liked what he did but but I, I didn't compare to what he yeah contributed as a, as a, as a songwriter and a singer yeah. yeah yeah the same with Joni Mitchell Joni Mitchell is a wonderful painter but you know she Basically, oh. she's a great, great songwriter. Great songwriter. I, this that right. documentary yeah. last night, "A Free Man in Paris," was written about David Geffen. Oh yes, and and I didn't know all this, and because she left it, left him, yes. left the contract. Yes, and then he was all bummed out, and he went to Paris and and trying to find himself, and so she wrote this song about him yeah. being in Paris. Oh, I didn't know I'm that. A free man in Paris. <laughs> yeah. And right. um, and they yeah. showed hers and the chords that she was playing oh, on that guitar. Was just I was like, man, I've never seen those she chords. She was amazing. Oh, extraordinary! Absolutely amazing. And then they cut to David Geffen and saying, "How did you feel when you first heard that song?" He said, uh, "Pretty, pretty exposed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah. pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah." Because uh, she really uh, laid it out there about him. She, She's astounding. Yeah, incredible, yeah. incredible talent. You know who's been spending a lot of time with Joni Mitchell is Scarlett Rivera. Scarlett Rivera. Scarlett, oh, our really? friend Scarlett. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I would like to talk to Scarlett because I would love to see Joni again. I, I've seen her several times since I was here. Yeah, we never worked together again. Yeah, uh, we thought of doing something. We couldn't raise the money. But well, I, I know I'll, she's been ill, and I'd love to see I'll her. I'll call Scarlett and ask I'd love because it. Love um, it. Scarlett took her one of my books, and right. she just loves my work and Excellent. would like to ask if she could meet me. And Scarlett asked if I would be willing to, Fabulous. able to, and I said that'd be great if we both would. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Set that up. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time for me to start the barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, I think, and we just touched on a few things compared to what's on the show, the TV show. And I think it's going to be um, really, really great what these guys are doing with the editing. And They're wonderful. Wonderful. The highlight to me of when they came to my house. Yeah. When they came back to my house. Yeah. Was where they sent a drone up into the sky. Uh huh. And I was sitting on my couch in my living room. And I was just sitting there, and then the drone came down. <laughs> and it came down and came into the living room. <laughs> and, it came, and it was hovering there in front of my face. I mean, that was amazing. Wow. That was amazing. I can't wait to see that shot. I can't wait to see it either. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Now, they, you know, I mean... What I did and what they filmed me doing and, and so on and so forth, that's one thing. But then what they take and add to that and how they edit it. They're, they're tremendous. What yeah. they did with Laura was fabulous. I yeah, mean, it was great. They really brought out all the good, stu good stuff she had to say. I learned things. Yeah, really. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's wonderful. And yeah. so everybody will tune in to yeah. HeronaVision.com. Yes, please. HV.com. Yeah. Um. Hironavision. Hironavision.com. Hironavision.com. Oh. And an uh, upcoming episode to be released on Stanley Dorfman. Um, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. Thank you. Thank you very yes. much, dear. Thank you for joining us, and I'm going to go start the barbecue. Thank you all. Bye. Alrighty. Oh, I have to play guitar. Yeah, play, play. Let's see, another song by somebody you, you worked with. 
Nice. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. Gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>